Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to another episode of Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. Sound Reasoning is brought to you by our brothers and sisters in the Lord who believe in the promotion of sound doctrine. So again, we thank you for your prayers, for your pledges, and your physical assistance in helping us with our various uh, workshops uh, that we put on across the city and state as well as the nation. So we thank you all for your help and assistance in promoting the sound doctrine of the word. On last episode, we talked about the nature of truth, and we defined truth as telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. So truth is telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. So when Christianity or Christians make assertions about the Bible and what the Bible says, uh, we're making a truth claim, presumably. Now, others may not uh, believe it, but if you're telling something like it is, that's what truth embodies. It doesn't matter how they feel. It doesn't matter uh, what they think. If it matches up with reality, then it's true. So truth is that which corresponds to its object, something that's factual. As part of our uh, session dealing with the truth, we also talked about the three universal laws of logic. We talked about the law of identity, the law of excluded middle, the law of non-contradiction, and today we wanted to add another one, which is called the law of rational inference. I realize that these may be big words for some of us, but it's okay. Um, it's doctrinal, and we will uh, try to unpackage some of these terms uh, with, uh, within the brief uh, session that we have today. Now, some of you may be listening and wondering, what in the world does logic have to do with theology? Isn't logic a secular concept, and isn't it contrary to our faith? Well, the answer is no on both counts. Logic came out of the nature of God. Logic are the rules that was placed here on earth by God. It's simply uh, giving us a name to explain the rules that came with the creation of the world. Now, logic helps us to make sense of the world around us, both in the physical and metaphysical world. I realize that some of you all uh, associate logic exclusively with Aristotle, but Aristotle did not create logic. He discovered logic. Aristotle did not uh, make up the rules of logic. He, uh, he basically uh, ran into logic, discovered it, and wrote about what he discovered. So logic was deposited to humanity even before Aristotle was born. Some others may wonder, well, doesn't logic diminish the role of God? 
Again, logic came from God himself. It is the process that we use in order to make decisions about the God we believe in. Logic allows us to assess if statements that we make about God, that we make about his church, that we make about his, uh, his son, if those statements are valid or not valid. Without logic, there will be no way to discern if a doctrine was sound or if a uh, doctrine or, or, or statement was made correctly about God and the teachings about God. In short, logic deals with thinking correctly, and it helps us to discern the truth about actions and statements. It is a way for us to think so we can come to a correct conclusion. Logic helps us to avoid the mistakes that so many people make in the way that they think. To use words such as some or all are words associated with logic. So even on the informal level, we all practice logic. We use it every day. So for example, it, is, it, 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 it doesn't follow or it's illogical to say that I can do whatever I want to do, but yet still expect for me to have peace with God. That's illogical. There are three fundamental, uh, undeniable, universal laws of logic. And then we'll try to hook up the fourth one as we move along. The first law is called the law of identity. The law of identity. It's the law of logic that states that something is itself. For example, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord God Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So in this verse, Isaiah is basically letting us know that either it's God or there's no God. Either the, uh, the God of Israel is king and redeemer or he's not the king or redeemer. Either he's the first and last or he's not the first and last. Either he is the true and living and only God or he's not the true and living and only God. He's not a kind of God. He's not a middle God. He's not a demigod. He is the legitimate God of the universe. And there's no one else like him. So Isaiah is letting us know, apart from the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, there is no other God. We can talk about uh, various gods, but that's just it. It's just talk. And there are gods made by uh, humans. There are fabrications that we've uh, associated the title God to or that we've ascribed the title of God to. But the true and legitimate God, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is the God who sent Jesus the Christ to come down uh, and die for our sins that we may have eternal life. It's that God. He, he is the true God. No other God exists. I know many people, many other religions uh, have their own description, have their own characterization of who God may be. But for the Christian, we believe 
that there is only one God, there's only one legitimate God, and outside of him there's no other. Then in Exodus 3 and 6, we find these words. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So why would uh, Moses write this passage? That God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he didn't want the audience to become confused. He is the legitimate God. Outside of him, there is no other. Once again, we're talking about the law of identity. It's not okay to say that God is a golden calf. It's not okay to say that God is uh, the cult god Artemis. Uh, it's not okay to say that God is Merduk of the Babylonian civilization. God has already uh, revealed himself to us. He's already identified himself, and he wants us to agree with him to use the characterization that he's given us through his Bible. So we don't have the luxury, we don't have the authority, we don't have the right to uh, mischaracterize God, nor to mischaracterize what he says about himself, his son, and salvation. Whatever God has given us is what he wants us to follow. He doesn't want us to change it. He doesn't want us to modify it. So God is interested in the law of identity. He's not to be confused with anyone else. And his son, Jesus the Christ, is not to be confused with other Jesuses or, or other uh, sayings about him, other mischaracterizations about him. Now, the uh, Muslims would say that Jesus was just a man, he was a good prophet, but he was not divine. Well, that's contrary to the scriptures. And again, it's mischaracterizing, it's misidentifying who Jesus is according to the Bible, so we can't accept that. The law of identity is very important. It's very important who you worship. If you worship me, there's no salvation in that. But if you worship God, you will uh, experience the benefits that comes with knowing him. If you worship a uh, stone, it's not the same as worshiping the true and living God. You can go through the rituals, you can go through the customs, but it yields no divine benefits. The only thing we would have is confusion, heartaches, and uh, paradoxes in the end. So it, it, it's not a good thing to misidentify who you worship. Then the second law is called the law of excluded middle. And that says A or non-A. It's the law of logic that excludes any middle option. It is either A or non-A. So uh, there's no such thing, for example, as purgatory. There's heaven and then there's hell. The Bible doesn't say anything about a purgatory. The doctrine of purgatory is man-made. So either there's heaven or hell. There's not this middle ground, this, this kind of heaven, this kind of hell. That doesn't exist. That's just something created by man to make us feel better about where we're going. So if you're saved, uh, you'll be with God in heaven. If you're not, you will be in hell. I do understand that some people don't like to talk about hell anymore. Well, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. So we need to come to grips with the fact that there is no middle ground. Either there's heaven 
or there's hell. Uh, the law of excluded middle allows for that, that there's no middle ground. Now, either you are a Christian or you're not a Christian. You can't be kind of a Christian, either the God of the Bible or not the God of the Bible. Either the Bible is the inerrant, meaning without error, word of God, or it's not the inerrant word of God. Either the gospel is legitimate or it's not legitimate. Let us read Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are now turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Salvation is through Jesus alone or salvation is not through Jesus alone. So Paul is saying there is no other gospel. There is one gospel, but there are some people who are trying to uh, come up with another gospel that is different than the one that we're giving you. So either you have the legitimate gospel or you do not have the legitimate gospel. There's no middle ground. You can't have kind of the gospel. You can't have uh, some of the gospel. Either you have the legitimate gospel or you have no gospel at all. That's what Paul is trying to convey and it falls in line with the law of excluded middle. Either you're married or you're not married. Now, you you may have a relationship that's... uh, uh, a little bit uh, out there, but it doesn't legitimize what what we're saying in terms of what God expects of us in terms of relationships. So, either uh, uh, a woman is pregnant or she is not pregnant. She can't be kind of pregnant. That is the law of excluded middle. Either A or non-A. Either you're saved or you're not saved. Either you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Either you are a follower of Jesus the Christ or you're not a follower of Jesus the Christ. There's no middle ground. And that's why Revelations, I love the passage where John writes to let us know that uh, God requires that we, we either be fully hot for him or fully cold. God doesn't want any lukewarm disciples. God wants disciples who are willing to stand for the truth who are willing to share the gospel in love, who are willing to not compromise, who are sold out for his word, for his message, for his ministry, for uh, his kingdom building agenda. God is interested in Christians who are willing to stand firm on on what's right, uh, on things that are righteous, and things that are part of God's agenda. So that's the law of excluded middle. Then the third law is called the law of non-contradiction. And this says A is not non-A. Meaning that two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. So for example, a specific area of a table has to be either wet or dry. It can be both wet and dry at the same time in the same sense. There's no such thing as wet dry. So, again, a specific area of a table, for an example, is either wet or it's dry. It can't be both wet and dry at the same time in the same sense. Either God created all as believed by theists 
or there is no God at all, as believed by atheists. Both statements cannot be both true at the same time and in the same sense. Scripture tells us, as part of the law of non-contradiction, we, we can find plenty of evidence in Scripture. Scripture tells us that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is Jesus talking. So again, we see evidence of the law of non-contradiction in Matthew 6, 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 24. Either you're going to follow God wholly or not follow God with your whole heart. Joshua says it best. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served before the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verses 14 through 15. And again, there's no middle ground. It's the law of non-contradiction. You can't say you're going to serve God and then serve other gods at the same time. You can't say that you're going to follow Christ and follow the world at the same time. It's the law of non-contradiction. You can't say that Jesus is Lord and yet something else be Lord in your life. We can't say that we sold out for Jesus the Christ, but yet we're still entangled in the world's affairs. So the law of non-contradiction is very clear. Two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. Let me further elaborate. Christianity says that Jesus is the only way. Well, if Jesus is the only way, then how can Christians include doctrines uh, that are contrary to doctrines of the scripture? If uh, scripture says that Jesus is God the Son, he's equal to the Father, he's divine, then how can we say that doctrines that say that he's not divine, that he's not equal to the Father, are the same thing? So how can all religions be the same thing when we have opposite statements? Uh, you have pluralists who say that all religions lead to the same God. Well, we beg to di differ as Christians. All religions do not lead to the same God. God is a very uh, jealous God, and his doctrine is exclusive. Inclusive in the sense that whosoever will can come, but exclusive in the sense that you just can't come any type of way. You have to come by the Son if you want to see the Father. So the law of non-contradiction, again, says there's two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. So don't let the world beguile you. Don't let the world deceive you into thinking that we as Christians have to be tolerant to the point where we have to include all religions, we have to include all ideologies, that we have to be uh, so tolerant that we accept any type of behavior, any type of belief systems. That's not what God is talking about. That's not what God condones. We as Christians have been called to be reporters. Report what you see. Report uh, the good news. Let people know that Jesus lives. Let people know that God has a standard. Let people know that God requires something of them. The last law, 
which hinges on the other three laws, deals with the law of rational inference. It is the law of logic that allows logical inferences to be made from a series of premises. So, for example, when Isaac was dealing with Jacob, Isaac wanted to touch the skin of his son to discern whether it was Esau or Jacob. When we place it in logical form, it sounds like this. Only Esau can have hairy skin. I can feel hairy skin, therefore it's Esau, Genesis 27, 1 through 26. Of course, his conclusion was incorrect because it was actually Jacob deceiving him. But this is called the uh, the law of rational inference, meaning that you can infer some things to try to get to the accurate conclusion. There's both inductive and deductive reasoning that we can use to get to that point. So let's look at another one. All, all men are sinners. Romans 3.23. I am a man, therefore I am a sinner. Now that conclusion is accurate because the Bible tells us it's accurate. That's Romans 3.23. Again, all men are sinners. I am a man, therefore I am a sinner. That is uh, using the law of rational inference through the deductive method. I pray that what we've shared on this show has benefited you in some way. I pray that you not only become hearers of the word, that you become doers of the word. Again, apologetics is incumbent upon all Christians to practice. You will come in contact as you're evangelizing or sharing the good news. You, you will come in contact with individuals who are sincere in their questions, and they just want to know, why is it that you do the things that you do? Why is it that you believe the doctrines that you believe? Why is it that Christians do things differently than other people? And when those questions come about, it is your responsibility to give a Bible-based response. It's too late to try to call in your pastor then. It's too late to try to call in your Bible teacher. You have to study to show yourself approved. A workman or workwoman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. You are responsible for discipling your family based on biblical passages, based on the soundness of your rhetoric, based on uh, the uh, scriptural flavor of of your arguments. Make sure that whatever you do that is based on sound doctrine, not just how you feel or how you think, not just based on your education. But is or what the things I'm saying, is it biblical? Is it, is it Bible-based? Is it hermeneutically correct? And if the answer to those things are yes, then may the Lord be with you, and may he bless you in all that you do. So once again, please go out, share the good news of Jesus Christ, and be prepared to answer uh, each man's answer, uh, questions, a reason for the hope that lies within you. I pray that you've been blessed by this episode and continue to support us with your prayers and through your financial donations as we attempt to educate the church on how to respond effectively to questions posed by others uh, regarding our Christian faith. May God be with you and may he bless you and your family as you go out and share the gospel. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. 
Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.